Hey, hey, hey. It's uh, Saturday morning, July 6th, and uh, about 8 in the morning. I should have probably, I probably should have gone uh, for a walk an hour ago at 7 o'clock. But I was into something, into my journaling and writing and things. So it's about 8, and it's already 83 degrees, so I don't know how Bud's going to do. 83 degrees, Bud's probably going to have to sit down sometime during this walk because it's just too hot for him at 83. And it's probably going to be 85 pretty soon. But here we go. And, uh, yeah, this should be an interesting podcast because I have to process a few thoughts about a meeting at 1030, so two and a half hours. An elder and maybe a second elder from my church will be paying me a visit. So this will be interesting. So I think I'll have to name this podcast the um, the pre-meeting, the elder pre-meeting or something podcast. Elder pre-meeting and then I'll do a, an elder post-meeting podcast tonight. So um, I <laughs> Where do I begin? A few, it's about about six or eight weeks ago, I I heard a message at church where the the, um, interim pastor, he's like a retired Oklahoma pastor and part of the Southern Baptist Convention thing. And I'm not Southern. I'm not from the Bible Belt. But this is Arizona, so we have a whole mixture of people. Now, I would say that even the people in our church are not from the Bible Belt either. There's a lot of people from Texas. We got maybe one family that came in later from Alabama currently. So that's that's good old Southern Baptist area. Roll Tide, baby. Roll Tide. No, it's War Eagle, Auburn. Oh, yeah. Jesus cares a lot about the Crimson Tide versus the War Eagle. Don't you know? Don't you know? Or how about the Georgia Bulldogs? Oh, yeah, SBCs, Southern Baptists. Or you got Clemson. Oh, yeah, the SEC, baby. Let's talk about football. And let's talk about how right we are about our doctrines and theology, right? Anyway, so the dude blast. It was a light blast. It was a light blasting of Joel Osteen. But it was essentially that he's a false teacher, and I'm thinking... Doggone it, dude. Do you really have to... My, my reasoning is really simple. It's not that I love Joel Osteen. I honestly don't believe he's a false teacher, number one. But it's not like I need to go defend it, dude. My, my point simply is, we're in Arizona. That dude's over in Houston. So you never know. Somebody from the local area, we have like 80,000 people live in town, and they, they keep talking about how they want to... They want to reach. We got to reach eighty thousand people with the gospel. It's more like with the gospel, gospel, which is uh, what I spell G A W S P U H L in my upcoming book. The guy go- about that'll show up there. I love the gospel. <laughs> the gospel, and you got to believe in Jesus and. See, the people, these are code words. 
are they dog whistles? Maybe they're dog whistles, man, to believe the way they believe. But, you know, Jesus is a really complicated character, and all we have is some descriptions of him in text, which I believe, but, I mean, come on, you, there's a lot of reading between the lines here, folks. The essentials are he did come and die. I mean, we know that. He did uh, claim to be God, so I'm all good with that. So the basics we get into, but sometimes the the interpretations are really slanted, reading between the lines, to fit the Bible Belt or SBC or whatever denomination's agenda is. So I get it. So um, I uh, just made that point, and I thought, well, this was mentioned in a the introductory to elders, and it's typical podcast host mentality is <laughs> I'm like whoop de doo we're having a service to introduce our new elders and we voted for them Ooh, 400 people we all voted for them it's like uh, this is going to be really bad but hey there's only one person listening to the podcast so what do I care it reminds me of Hitler's vote in Austria. There was like a, you know, a big circle that said, vote for Adolf. Here's a big circle to put your X in. And vote for the other guy, a really small circle. <laughs> so, and then they had like Nazis at the voting booths, right? Intimidating people to, to vote for Hitler. Okay, so it wasn't that bad. But essentially, you know, it's a, a new structure. And I'm like, the church has been around 20 years, so 25 years. So it's like, oh, so the last 25 years we didn't have elders. And now all of a sudden, ooh, we are going to be the most awesome church. Because, you know, it's the biblical way of doing things. You really should have elders. It's so good. It's so good to have elders. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm not against it. I just, I just don't think it's that it's going to be make that much of a difference. I mean, we used to have like deacons, so now we got elders. So I'm like, okay, I'll go with it. You just told me that elders are important. So let's go with it, man. So instead of like, you know, I'm just like, I don't really know this old guy that just slammed Osteen from the pulpit, but I'm essentially thinking, actually I am. Like Woody just saw Toy Story 4, mixing in a little, mixing some topics as you do walking the bud. Woody, I'm like, Woody, I care about people. I care about the guy, the 80,000th guy that just happens to watch Joel Osteen on a Saturday night, who just happens to listen to Joel at the end, who says, you know, you need to repent of your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you. And um, then we believe you got born again. So go get involved in a Bible-believing church. So Joel's not asking people to follow him. Joel's not asking people to come join his Lakewood church. Oh, no, no, people. Listen, listen, he's saying to people. He knows he's preaching the gospel all over the world. And that and not everybody can go to his church, but the church is important. So he says, go get involved in a Bible-believing church. Perfect, people. One of those people might be a mile away from this church. First thing he does, he walks in. Here's the guy say, uh, well, you know, one of the jobs of the elders is to protect the flock from false teaching. And there's a teacher, you know, isn't he a good speaker? Yes, but uh, 
He's a good speaker for someone that doesn't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's Joel. He's a false teacher. We're going to protect, protect you against false teachers. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but I have a problem with that being spoken from the pulpit. So I brought it up to the elders. Hey, we got elders now. And then, then they have the cheese, cheesiest reply to me. He's like, you know, well, you know, um, you should really take that up directly with him. Because they, oh, that's Matthew 18. Matthew 18, man. So um, <laughs> that's how this kind of started. I'm like, well, whatever, okay. And, I, and then I, I said, well, after about 10 days, I sent a text to this elder who I started this discussion with through a text, I think, I can't remember, but, um, and, and ironically, I spent the last three months at his house with his wife and a group of eight people you know, going through the book of First John together, and uh, uncontentious, no arguments, very pleasant. I thought I contributed a lot to the group. I never got any pushback from anybody saying, hey, dude, you're, uh, you're arrogant and, uh, you're uh, you're contentious and unloving. I never got any of that. I was with the guy for eight weeks, a couple hours, you know. But now all of a sudden, because I asked the question about why are we blasting a dude for no reason when somebody may just be coming along earlier in their faith journey and we're just going to blow them out of the water first thing. So, okay, so they go somewhere else. They get ticked off at us. So we're really welcoming church. That's my conclusion. But nobody wants to listen to me. No, nope. I'm the bad guy, right? So anyways, this stuff kind of gnaws at me and it's because that's the way I am. I'm, I'm relentless. <laughs> I'm just relentless. So I don't know, a couple weeks go by. I sent a text to this dude, this elder. And I'm like, what's going on? Uh, and I say, yeah, well, you know, he's like, I said, hey, how about if I just, okay. I'll do the Matthew 18 thing. What's the, uh, how do I get a hold of this guy? It's been a couple weeks. Just kind of gnawing at me. Sends me a text and says, here's the guy's um, phone number, address, whatever. And, uh, and then, then uh, I also get an email from him, which he probably mistakenly, I don't know if he did it unintentionally, but uh, apparently... Um, the elder called the pastor the, uh, that gave the Joel Osteen slam down, knockdown. And so the, the, old, the retired pastor wrote back to the elders like, oh, elder, oh, this is, you know, I'm so sorry this happened. This happens all the time. You know, somebody in the congregation doesn't like, you know, what someone says, blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, and they, uh, you know, they're just terrible. So, you know, here's all the reasons why Joel Osteen is a false teacher. So it's included in the, the email. And there's all these articles by other Southern Baptist Convention dudes. And I said, you know what? I bet you these articles are really just full of holes and they're weak arguments and just crap. So I said, you know what? All right, dude, I'll give you one. I will take one article, the very first one on the list, and I will read it. And I will analyze it and determine whether I think a case has been made that Joel Osteen is a false teacher. 
you know, so I got that going on in the background because that's just the kind of relentless guy I am. But that sat there and sat there, no words. So I go finally, you know, I asked the elder, like, dude, okay, I'm going to call this guy. And he's like, okay, here's his number. And then it's like, um, 10 minutes later, he's like, hey, Mike, don't talk to him. Don't talk to him because we, we want you to meet with the elders first. I'm like, okay, fine, I can wait. But, you know, I never heard from anybody for 10 days. So then I finally said, you know what, I'm just, I got the guy's number. And I'm just tired of this subject being hanging over my head. I just want to get it out there. And I'm not, I'm not thinking I can change this guy's mind about whether he's a false teacher. But I, I was kind of hoping that he would understand that it wasn't a good thing to do from the pulpit to say that. And that he might um, discourage um, a new believer or someone that just came into the church who might uh, be there because he's looking for exactly what Joel said, which is to go get involved in a Bible believing church, which I think my church would claim to be. However, if, if the first experience at the church is some dude saying, oh, that guy, false teacher, man, don't believe anything he says. So, so then it just really is going to not work well, would it? I mean, it's logical. Whether the guy is a false teacher or not, it's just not going to work well. So I thought that would be a convincing discussion with the guy because I'm not arguing about whether he is or is not a false teacher. I'm just discussing, hey, what's really important? That dude's in Houston. It's none of our business. He's on TV. He has an influence. He influences people. And he actually, in general, he does preach the gospel. And he, uh, he does not ask people to follow him and his ways and enrich himself. He just says, go get involved in a Bible-believing church, which is what we're supposed to be. So, anyways, I had to, I was driving my car. I said, I'm getting this over with. Talked to the dude. Um, I knew he knew about it because he sent an email about it. And he was probably knew that this phone call would eventually come. So, I just made my case that, hey, you know, I'm not trying to argue whether he is or is not a false teacher. I just don't think it should be said from the pulpit. And, honestly, I was hoping he'd go, yeah, I get it. I'm going to, and if he did say, yeah, I got it, I would say, you know, why don't you just apologize next time? you have them for church and just say, hey, I made a mistake a couple weeks ago and um, I shouldn't have called out this guy as a false teacher because, you know what, it just doesn't do any good. It just it wasn't a wise thing to do. But I didn't get that either. So I, uh, since I hadn't heard from the elders, I sent a text back to the dude and said, hey, I had a phone conversation with this guy. It had been 10 days and it's over with. I'm, the saga is now ending, you know. And I was hoping to get some kind of confirmation from the elders, like, okay, thanks, Mike, I wish you didn't do that or something, or, you know, oh, well, I'm sorry, we didn't get back to you sooner than 10 days. And, uh, or what? I got no feedback, zero feedback on ending the saga. And I just, I just kind of wanted the guy to acknowledge, like, oh, okay, you know, I get your point, yeah, and Dennis is only here for a little while longer, interim pastor, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know what's going on. They just I, they just have their views without talking to me. That's, you know, and that's communication. Really poor communication. So over a period of another week, so that was like 10 days, I dropped that text on the date. And, uh, 
and then I get blasted. I get this text out of nowhere, like after 10 days, like, you're a terrible person. You're, you don't know the truth. You're always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And I'm like, dude, this is really offensive. And then there's like four or five other passages of just Paul ripping on people that are false teachers and just dissension people, contentious people. So that's my reputation now. I'm really contentious, boastful, arrogant. And the good call, dude called me unloving. And how's that? How's that in a text message, people? <laughs> honestly. Coming in in a text message. And if it wasn't... I mean, honestly, I think I've, in 40 years of faith. 40 years. That's, that's not my whole life. I became a believer because the Holy Spirit opened my eyes up to facts that I knew. But it's all about love. Because I knew, I knew the person at the grocery store I worked with had a changed life. That's what it's about. A changed life into love. So am I supposed to just roll over to stupid things that are said? I mean, I put it, there should be a little higher standard. And there is a scriptural verse for that, for teachers and stuff. But uh, I'm just challenging because I don't think it's loving. So here comes another doggy. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Hey, hey buds. So um, it's about loving people, you know? And so here I'm being called unloving from a guy that spent one hour in the last three years one-on-one with me. That's it. But he's also spent about 20 hours in the last couple months in a group setting. And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I was unloving to this group. So I'm getting blasted for being unloving, boastful, arrogant. And I'm like, where does this come from? I mean, I know I don't have like super wonderful relationships with people in the church, but I mean, I've, I've made attempts to do things, but you know, it's, it's like, I think the boundary marker concept from John Orberg is that this church has some kind of weird unspoken boundary markers like you got it to be in you got to have these beliefs for example something like well yeah everyone knows Joel Osteen's a false teacher and you got to be completely whack job crazy to ever listen to anything he says for more than 30 seconds (laughs) but I do know there are some people in the church that that probably do think Joel Osteen's fine and they probably heard the same stupid comment from the pulpit and they probably just let it go, but they're not me. I can't, I just can't let that crap go. So, so there probably are, but then, so what do we do then? Do I go find like, hey, hey, anybody else in the church think that was stupid? And hey, I got an announcement. All of us that don't believe Joel's a false teaching, why don't we sit over on this side of the church, you know, so we can all be together, you know, and this, I don't, it's just crazy talk me so i'm getting blasted with these verses and i if the one person listening to these podcasts is the one i think it is then she knows she saw the whole dump on me so um went to europe this i mean this goes back six eight weeks already so i mean it was may 23rd when i got blasted so that's june 20 that's six weeks so finally like a week ago i said look dude 
I've called him, left him messages on his voicemail. He won't pick up the phone. Nice guy, really, in general. It's really f- bizarre because he's. If any, if you ask any member of the whole church who's the most loving, kind person in the church, it would be him. He's got that. He's got that outward image of Mr. Love, and that's great. But it doesn't show up in his t- text messages to me. So, so I mean, it just comes across like. I'm tired with this. Uh, you're just being difficult. Um, here, I'm going to dump these like really super negative stuff on you. And um, then then that's it, man. So I'm done with you basically, right? So, uh, oh, and oh, by the way, I've got verses that back that up. You know, Paul said, just, you know, just, here, read this verse in Second Thessalonians, man. Just leave them alone, man. <laughs> and... And it's like, where is this coming from? So anyways, he wouldn't talk to me. I did, fortunately, I, I shared it with another guy in the church just to, to get some perspective, not to stir the pot, just to keep it private. And he's like, dude, that is like crazy talk. Off the rails, dude. Man, it's crazy. Anyway, so I, I said, look, I sent him a text again. I said, look, you got 48 hours to get back to me and meet face-to-face because all this stuff is text. You won't even talk to me on the phone. And that's even talking on the phone is bad. You gotta meet in person and go through this thing. So 10:30 this morning, in about another two hours, we're gonna sit down. He's coming over to my house. And it should be really interesting. I I kinda wanna take the first minute or two to establish the agenda, which to me is like one piece of paper. Here's your text to me. Now let's talk about this text. Not anything else, just this text, because I don't know where it's coming from. So we'll see if I can keep him on agenda. I think he's bringing another elder along who's kind of reasonable. I don't know. But um, that's where we're at on that. And, and so it's, uh, what was I going to say? So it's just, it's like, I don't know. Like the, the, he, he loves the always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So, right, that's the Second Timothy 3, 1 through 7 thing. He loves verse 7. But I'm saying, look at verses 1 through 6, man. Paul's describing some really awful dudes. Awful, awful dudes. So, unless I'm one of those awful dudes, that little verse in 7 doesn't apply to me. Plus, dude, the truth that Paul's talking about is the, the gospel, not the gospel with all your boundary marker requirements around it. It's the pure and simple gospel from 1 John 4, 1 through 5. No one can say that Jesus came in the flesh and is the Son of God except for by the Spirit of God in him. So that I'm there, man. And, I, and it's like, oh, that's what I was talking about before the dogs came along. It was like, if I wasn't confident in my faith and confident in the scriptures, People push people around with scriptures all the time. They throw this verse at you. They throw that at you. They do, 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 read this, boop, boop. And it's like, oh, first do this, second this, three, four. You know, and it's like, really? It's, you're taking like one sentence and you're going to just make, you're just going to, you have an agenda, you have an opinion, and you have one sentence out of a whole Bible and you're going to jam it on me. <laughs> and I'm saying, no, 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 you are not jamming that on me, pal. And you better not, you better stand by and get ready for a battle because that is BS. And um, hey, bud, you're pretty, you're just resting here in the shade. We, just, we sat down 
And sorry, bud, I didn't bring some water, but you ready to go? Let's go. All right, which way you want to go? You want to keep going? All right. Staying in the shade. So, um, come on, bud. Come on. So, so if I wasn't reading and confident about all these passages that were just dumped on me, and I know I can go back to the context. I can look at the context. I can look at verses 1 through 6 and say, that's not me. So, this, I mean, it's ridiculous. Just because it's inconvenient. And it's like, who am I boasting to? Who am I arrogant with? I, God wants us to have a clear conscience. His mercies are new every morning. I do not, I'm not holding a grudge against anybody in the church. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, it's not even a grudge. I'm just pointing out, hey, dude, you said something stupid from the church, and he loves his Matthew 18, which is like if your brother sins against you, go to him in person, and, and if he listens to you, you want him over. And, and the pastor's like, well, I wish he would have Matthew 18 me. Well, <laughs> dude, you didn't sin against me. You just said something stupid from the pulpit. And I may have talked about this in a previous podcast because it's been going on for six weeks, but I apologize, but I, I'm trying to wrap this up today and know a little bit more about how I fit into the local church, the local church, because I'm not being accepted. I'm not being listened to. And, uh, morning. And it may be the, um, (laughs) it may be my style isn't right, you know? Oh, well, you're an ENTP debater, so, you know, nobody likes you. Nobody's going to like what you have to say. So that's fine. All right. I'm not going to, the message that the church gives then is you can't be an ENTP and a member of the church. You can't ask questions. You can't use your brain, which is just so stupid. But, you know, there's other churches out there. I just don't like the fact that they try to make themselves out to be the church with the answer. And other people are wrong. Joel Osteen is wrong. The other church with 2,000 members, we only have 500 at the most. They're four times as big. <laughs> they're wrong. No, I don't, they haven't come out and said they're wrong because there more and more people are going to that new church. And uh, I may end up there too. But I don't really want to go there under the, a cloud of like, oh, this guy's a troublemaker, man. Because I don't, I don't know what the quote-unquote collusion is between the local churches because like we got Lutheran churches we got Catholic we've got um, Presbyterian we've got this Baptist thing we got I don't know we probably if I looked hard enough it's probably a United Methodist somewhere and uh, and so so they at one time the the whack job SBC company man who's now the director of the state of Indiana man that is a spiritual mecca tell me well that's where Mike Pence is from of course the guy probably doesn't like Mike Pence but anyway diversion but uh yeah that uh company man used to meet with the pastor of the the mega church that got displaced by the highway and they did something really cool they built a really nice European style I call it European style church which is a the Dresden Frauenkirche style which is a center church with doors all around. It's very welcoming. Sure, they have a lot of land and parking lot to do it, but it was well thought out. So I like that. You can come in 
And I, I'm sure I'm probably one of the few that appreciate that. But it's a subtle message of the style of the building. Now, is the teaching there awesome? I don't know. They're part of a denomination, too. India, ironically, they're centered in Indiana as well. Church of God. But again, this pastor is from Canada. So, you know, he did spend a lot of time in Indiana down there, too. But I don't know if I can ever... I should... We'll see how this goes today. Maybe then in the next month or so, I'll be talking to this guy about all the craziness. And, uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah, this uh, meeting coming up is interesting. So this, I'm just sharing my thoughts going into the meeting. Um, there's a few more passages I'm pulling the context from, like Second Thessalonians, which was one of the very first books Paul wrote. And I'll have to go back to the book of Acts and see. I think his experience in Thessalonica was he got kicked out or chased out of Philippi by the Jews who didn't like him. It was one of the early church plants. And there were Jews over here. And um, he uh, got chased out by them. And then they, he went to Berea. And they were doing pretty cool because they were the Bereans. They were the, the famous dudes that study the scriptures to see whether these things are so. Kind of like I, I enjoy that characteristic, right? And then Thessalonica, he got booted out of there too. So, so there's these troublemakers who are Jews. And they're working against... The new faith they're not they're not uh people that are in the faith that that uh, believe and now fallen away they're not like starting rival churches they're just jews or materialists you know or godless faithless so that's thessalonians so it'll be interesting when i look at the context to see what paul's comments how they line up with the actual um, cultural context of that Thessalonica church and the times because I don't think um, that it was it couldn't have reached a point where there were rival local churches that were some that were good and some that were bad and that's another thing to remember too most of the, Paul was the guy bringing the gospel there was other people that came along later and we know about Apollos and my favorite thing about Apollos is that Acts eighteen twenty six was the dude spoke accurately about Jesus, but he only preached about the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. And Priscilla and Aquila had to teach him the way more accurately or better way, the more complete way, which is the Holy Spirit, which these guys don't want to talk about, which the guy that claimed that um, Joel Osteen was a false teacher I would say he's guilty of false teaching himself on all days Easter Sunday. Can you believe that? Oh, he won't believe it because <laughs> he's stuck in his way. But his false teaching is that Acts 2.14 where Peter stands up and makes this great um, preaching of the gospel in Acts 2.14 was purely due to the fact that he had seen the risen Lord on Easter Sunday. The original Easter, the first Easter. It wasn't even Easter. It was just this, the risen day, the resurrection day that nobody, Peter didn't even believe was going to happen. He had no clue. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have denied him the night before because he would have he said he, had, he didn't believe. 
Look, Peter didn't believe. He denied Christ three times. He had no idea what was going on. And yet, so many people praise Peter as this awesome dude. He's, he's just he's a failed dude like, like we all are failed dudes. And um, so the false teaching is to claim that Acts 2.14, Peter spoke with boldness because, because he had seen the risen Lord. Because the Easter Sunday message started in John 20. And that was the day, the Sunday, the day of Christ's resurrection. And um, yeah, so Peter believed that day. I mean, he's right in front of him, face to face. Sure. But Acts 2.14 is 50 days later. So so why, why does he wait 50 days if he had all this boldness, right? Well, the problem is the false teaching comes in because he attributed this boldness to simply seeing the Lord resurrected on Easter Sunday, 50 days prior, when the context of Acts 2.14 is the coming of the Holy Spirit. So reviewing Peter's life over those 50 days are kind of interesting to get to Acts 2.14. So let's look at those 50 days briefly, right? So he does see Christ risen. Yeah, he kind of believes. But we know that that John chapter 20, we know in John chapter 21, that Jesus asks him three times, do you love me, Peter? And that's the famous, oh, Peter was restored by Jesus. And yet the next verse is, Jesus says to him, okay, all right. So here's what's gonna happen when you get old, Peter. You're gonna be led around to places you don't wanna go because you just, that's it. <laughs> and John's there. This is at the, the last words of Jesus to uh, the disciples, right? According to John. And um, John makes note of it. He records that, the restoration of Peter. And that is the end of our sermon today. Nope, nope, no, it's not the end of our sermon. You got to keep going, dudes. There's like six or eight more verses. Don't stop there. Immediately, Jesus tells him he's not going to live forever. He's actually going to have kind of a, might be a difficult death or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, and Peter's like, well, what's going to happen to John? Well, what's going to happen to him? Why, come on, Jesus. If that's going to happen to me, What's going to happen to Johnny? And Jesus says, and this is a tone of voice I think he probably used, like, what is that to you? What is that to you? You follow me. So this is like the crux of the great relationship that we can all have. We can all follow Jesus our way. He's got something for us to do. Just do it. Rejoice in it. Acknowledge Him. Walk in the Holy Spirit. That's the thing. And follow Him every moment. I'm walking bud right now. It's probably 8.30 on a Saturday morning. I'm about to get rebuked by some elders in a church that think they're more important than they really are, apparently. 
or maybe not. I'll, I'll, I'll cut the uh, sarcasm while we're there, I think. I don't know. I probably should record the whole thing. It would probably be hilarious. It's like my brother, when we had an argument with my sister one time, it went on for like two hours. <laughs> He's like, dang, I wish I recorded that. It was so good. <laughs> I don't know, I'm tempted to sneak a camera up there in the upper, on the loft and just turn it on to see see what happens. Because I have no clue, no clue. But I know, you know what? I know the Lord's going to give me the words to speak because that's the Holy Spirit, right? So, so anyway, so yeah. So, so Peter blows it right there. John 21. What's that? What's going to happen to John? And Jesus is like, what's that to you? You follow me, you know? And then John, to like put a bow on it, <laughs> it's not even done there. The next two verses or so. John puts a bow on this. He says, and all the things that Jesus did while he was on earth, we couldn't fill books. There couldn't be enough books written to fill all those things. Which if the one listener that I have who likes to have a publishing company, she'd be like, well, wait a minute, John. I can, I can publish all those books. <laughs> Keep writing, John. Let's do it. We'll, do it. we'll self-publish those babies. We're going to put them online. Actually, now that I think about it, those books originally were self-published. They are just written and then copied and stuff. Well, that's a bit of a stretch. They were written and uh, published and copied by monkeys, monks, for years and years, for a thousand years. So, so John says, uh, man, Jesus did so many things. There's so many cool stories, so many interesting stories. So many, 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 many. But that's it. I'm ending with this one. I'm ending with the story where Peter is an absolute dweeb and doesn't get it. Okay? Got it now? So that was probably 30 days after the resurrection. So there's a little bit of false teaching going on here because 2019 Easter message says that, oh no, oh no, Acts, let's go from John 20 where Peter sees the risen Lord and because we're teaching accurately about Jesus and we don't talk about the Holy Spirit because we're Southern Baptists. There's no Holy Spirit. Well, we talk, yeah, there's a Holy Spirit, but you know, we can't talk about it too much because then we'd be charismatic because that's a whole nother. American denomination, and we don't want to be with them, and we got it. We can't compete with them, and you know we can't compete and get, build our buildings and make our financial contributions, and we'll have to change our whole teaching at the seminaries and our six or eight seminaries where we're just dumping money into. And they got beautiful grass. Let's cut the grass. That's what Jesus came for, right? And there's some sarcasm. He came to build seminaries, <laughs> and yet we know in Acts the, the people God uses have no seminary degrees. Really. Is it about knowledge or loving people, you know? And it's, this, it's become, the Reformation has become who's most right about stuff, right? That's, I got to personally transform. I am in the process of personally transforming. I may not be as loving as this most beloved elder is in the church, but I am increasing in my love. I'm getting more loving. And that's what matters. That's where Christ, the living God, can work in my heart. Just take me where I'm at and move me forward 
to better things, increasing. I don't have to compare myself to anybody else, you know? And uh, truth be told, I'm probably the most critical dude of anything said in church, which is fine. Why not? Why shouldn't we be critical and make sure these things are so? Right? So anyway, so we got, not only is Peter dumb and not getting it in John chapter 21, the very next page in almost every Bible, because they go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts 1, you just flip the page. Go to Acts 1. This is These are the actual last words of Jesus to his disciples. Not Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which most pastors, or many pastors, will probably erroneously slide in there when they're talking about the Great Commission, because they love, 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 love the Great Commission, because that's all about doing and giving money to the church, right? I mean, come on, people. You got to give money to the church now. And, you know, it's not just to pay for your pastor's salaries and their retirement and pension. It's it's for the Great Commission, man. So give, give, give. You know, let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, yeah. Oh, who were they giving to? Other Christians that were already believers? And, uh, hey, bud. But... They were given to other Christians who were already believers in Jerusalem because they needed to, and that's what Paul did. So, um, but we don't have to look at the facts and the context of the stuff because we know better. We went to seminary, went to this seminary, that seminary, and we know the Greek, we know Hebrew, blah, blah, blah. So, um, Acts 1, the last words of Jesus. And the reason Matthew 28, 19, 20 is not the last word of Jesus is because it took place on a hill near Galilee. So they're in Galilee, not a mile from Jerusalem, which is Acts 1, which is where Jesus ascended from. So since those two mountains are probably 60 to 80 miles apart, they can't happen at the same time. And it's more likely that Jesus ascended from the way Luke describes it from the Mount of Olives in the, in the garden near Jerusalem and because Jesus says that I want you to go back to Jerusalem which is only a mile away half day's walk it says in Luke back to um, Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and who was there? Peter Peter, Peter, Peter and what does he do? The disciples say, hey man, are you going to come back at that time and like bring in the kingdom? Because that's what we're expecting you. Just like, just like I denied you three times because I didn't think you'd be risen from the dead. Now I think you're not really going away. You're really just going to go away for a little fun, happy time at Disneyland or something and then come back in like, I don't know, 10 days? Are you coming back? You know, he doesn't say 10 days, but that's what it is. She says, wait. Said, wait, and it was ten days. Could have been twenty. Could have been thousand years. But no, that's the most important thing in the message of the Gospels or the New Testament is the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost. So much is written about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit opens eyes of people. Opens Paul's eyes. Opens other people's eyes. It's the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the whole New Testament, power of the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't get it, still didn't get it. Acts 1, Peter doesn't get it. Acts 2, Holy Spirit comes. Peter's now bold. Oh, that's the true teaching. The true teaching is that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's Acts 2.4. They were all filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit and, and preached the gospel in several languages. Then Peter still filled. Amazing, amazing verses 1 through 4, 13, right? Just amazing happenings because the power of the Holy Spirit came upon all these people. And Peter preached with boldness. The true teaching is not that he saw Jesus 50 days earlier. That's false teaching. Absolutely false. We've got several passages of Scripture to back up the fact that Peter didn't get it. Okay? He was restored. Why would Jesus restore him and do the whole, he loved me, do this? And then, if he didn't really get it, like 30 days out, and then why would uh, he go, hey man, what's going to happen to John, man? What's going to happen to him? <laughs> and, and Jesus could have said, oh, Peter, I just restored you, dude. Don't worry about it. Just chill out, Peter. No, he kind of rebuked him. He goes, hey, what's that to you? You follow me. So I think Jesus is kind of putting Peter in his place there. I don't know what, I can't believe there's any other way to read that. And, uh, and then the bow on the whole thing is John. So many stories I could do. I couldn't fill the books, but I got this one in there. This, this story's staying in. Yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy, you hot? So Bud is really hot here. So we're in the shade. What do you want to do, Bud? You want to chew on that? You want to sit in the shade? What do you want to do, Bud? So... So anyway, so this is, I don't know, what did I say I was going to call this thing? The uh, Pre-Elder Rebuking Podcast. Pre-Elder Rebuke Podcast. This is my 45 minutes of my view of the world. Am I 100% right about stuff? Nah. But I'm not apostate. I'm not anathema. I'm not... Um, a, uh, someone preaching against Jesus. Maybe I'm preaching against their Jesus that they define, but I'm not preaching against the real Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Not G-E-E-Z. Jesus. G-E-E-Z-U-U-Z. Jesus. No, I'm not preaching. I'm kind of preaching against that guy. That, uh, that Jesus guy. Whoever that is. Made in the image of the Southern Baptist Convention. Or people that believe that they can wrap it all up in a bow. They can take the whole Bible and wrap it up in 2 Timothy 3, 1-7 through and say... Michael, you're always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Well, that could be a true statement if the truth means 
to believe exactly the way they do and agree with everything they agree to. Well, yeah, if that's their truth, which I guess it is. So philosophically, I'm not coming to the knowledge of their truth. But their truth isn't really worth a whole lot, is it now? Because it's clouded by all kinds of constraints. So um, we're uh, about three to four minutes away from the house. The sun is just smoking down on us. Should I do a temperature check? I think I can do that. Temperature check now. It's a bit warm. Ooh, 89 degrees. 89 with a 22 percenter, which means 89, 22 percent. Let's check our dew points. Two points were 46.6. And now 89 and 22, oops, is 45. So we have kind of a almost, it was 46 dew point. Now it's 45. I'm going to do a dip in the pool, cool off, and then uh, I think I have a few verses in 2 Thessalonians to review before the, the elder beatdown. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know what's going to happen. I, my fear is like my wife has to be there. So it's like, well, your wife's got to be there. So I don't know if there's going to be like one of these work the wife against me. Like, oh, come on, wifey. Your husband's not loving, right? I mean, you know, look at him. He's just so unloving. So I'm like, it's weird. So my one friend said, that's weird. Like he said, hey, um, Pastor XYZ, I want to come see you. And then Pastor XYZ goes, well, bring your wife along. And my friend's like, well, why? If I, if I wanted my wife to come along, I would have said, hey, Pastor XYZ, my wife and I want to come to see you. But I didn't say that. So why are you turning around to make my wife be there? So I guess they think that I'm just too uh, stubborn to see their reasoning. But uh, I'm not going to have to ask the Lord to keep my temper in control and be very reserved. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of a Holy Spirit spiritual battle probably. So... Because this guy is really ticked at me. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what it comes across in the text messages. I don't know if he's going to, you know, hoodwink me and back off 100%. But I'm going to go, hey, let's stick to these text messages. Don't send these to people. Okay? Don't send them to anyone. If you, if you have these beliefs, set up a meeting and go talk to them. Because it's just bull. To uh, just dump on people like that. Okay, so with that, grace and peace. Maybe tonight, I'll be walking butt again tonight, and I'll give you the debrief, folks. Um, you won't be able to pray for me in real time, but you know, let's see what happens. Grace and peace, everyone. Bye bye.